Good evening. The Bible reading is from Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8, that is. From verse 1. Reading the ESV. O Lord our God, O Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with honour, glory and honour. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, all say the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Amen. So it's my pleasure to introduce uh, Professor Stuart Burgess, who's speaking to us tonight. That's why half of you are here, I imagine. And so I just want to say, uh, Stuart is Professor of Engineering Design at Bristol University, full professor, not like an American professor, they're just lecturers, um, but that's a, that's a full professor. Um, and um, he loves the Lord, he's one, one of, uh, one of uh, Jesus' children. And uh, he stands up for God as our creator in the academic environment. And uh, that's not an easy thing to do. He might talk about some of that. But we can also blame him for the fact that the British cycling team won so many medals at the last Olympics and beat, and, and beat us and beat us at those medals. So uh, he was actually responsible for developing the bikes, the transmissions and those bikes that gave them the edge over everybody else. So... Um, you don't. <laughs> so thank you, Stuart. I won't take any more of your time. You come here to hear him, not me. Thank you, Stuart. I'll get that for you. Uh, thank you very much for the welcome, and I must say a big thank you to Leslie and Don Batten for some wonderful hospitality uh, the last few days. Um, so this evening we're going to consider the goodness of God in creation. Uh, this is a really important topic because when you consider God's goodness in all the things he's provided for us in this world, then you can appreciate how God cares for you. That was the message of the Lord Jesus when he said, consider the flowers of the field. But it's also good to consider God's goodness in creation. It helps you to appreciate the reality of God. So it's a really good topic uh, that we have this evening. So uh, um, I've had the privilege of working on some very advanced uh, man-made technology, including spacecraft. I helped design the Hubble Space Telescope uh, for NASA and also some European satellites. I've also worked on atomic force microscope designs in the last five years or so. That's been one of my main projects. And also worked uh, on the uh, bicycle chains for the Rio Olympics. The first 
day I get back after flying tomorrow, I go straight to the laboratory and I have to check if the chains are good enough to beat the Australians for the Tokyo Olympics. <laughs> and if they are, they will be sent off for manufacture and race later this year and then next year. But one of the things I've learned, uh, having had this privilege of working in the forefront of science, is I've learned a few things, important things. Design does not happen by chance. And also it's confirmed everything that I read in the Bible, it's confirmed my faith in biblical creation. There is no conflict between science and reading Genesis as literal history. Uh, so that's, that's, my, that's my testimony from science. No conflict between science and the Bible. Now this is my last uh, talk of, I think, something like 21 talks over the last four weeks in uh, Australia. I will be flying out early tomorrow morning and one of the things uh, that I've learned, apart from that Australia is stunningly beautiful, especially Brisbane, I've learned that CMI do amazing work in Australia and have done over the past 40 years, as we've, as we've heard. Um, in fact, I've spoken on all five continents for CMI and they do very good work across the whole world. But the work actually started here in Australia and I think you're very privileged in this church to have such a close connection uh, with CMI. Don Batten has done fantastic work over the decades, uh, not just now leading CMI, but writing countless numbers of articles that have really spoken to thousands of people, encouraged people and had a big impact. So please do pray for the work and support the work. Uh, it's crucial work for today. It's a great spiritual battle. It's the front line uh, of the battles in the world. So I'm really thankful for the work of CMI. Uh, but this evening we, we think of God's goodness in creation. So many of the, the Psalms speak of the goodness of the Lord. The Psalmist was certainly a creationist and understood God's goodness. Uh, even though we live in a fallen world, everywhere we see God's goodness. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And the Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all of his works. Uh, even the atheist benefits from God's goodness. We all have a duty uh, to thank God for his daily provision. Uh, this is how I would summarise the, the biblical worldview in the book of Isaiah in chapter 45. There's a wonderful verse in verse 18 which speaks of how God created the earth to be inhabited. He didn't create it in vain. It's deliberately designed as a home for man. I'm an expert in design. I often get asked to review designs for cars and aeroplanes. So if I, if I look at the earth as a reviewer, it doesn't look like just another planet. It looks like a designer world designed for human beings in every detail. And it's wonderful how in Psalm 8 it speaks of God being mindful of man. Uh, that means not just uh, a cursory thought, but mindful of every detail of, of man. God thought of everything we would need to eat, everything we would need to wear every kind of material we would need to build homes and other, other things. God thought of everything. He's been incredibly mindful of man. 
But sadly, that is not the worldview that is taught today in our schools and through the media. I think many Christians would be really surprised if they went into schools and universities and saw what students uh, are taught. The world has changed a lot. Uh, for example, in Oxford University uh, in England, students are taught that we are just a bit of slime on a planet. And you know, when you hear that kind of thing, no wonder so many young people suffer from depression. Uh, it's a very negative, a very depressing worldview. So th this is yet another reason why biblical creation is such a crucial issue for today. It's not a side issue. It has a big impact on society, on students, on children. It has a very real impact in the classroom. Uh, I gave a talk yesterday uh, about how academia, uh, biblical creationists are, are not allowed to uh, speak positively or support intelligent design in the lesson. But these people can present a negative atheistic worldview in every lecture. I'm not allowed to talk, to talk about the goodness of creation in my lectures. I'm, there's a few times I've mentioned God and it's got me into big uh, trouble. So there's a great battle in academia. So there's a great contrast uh, between what the Bible teaches and what this world is teaching today. It's incredible if you listen to a, a natural history program I saw one, a bit of one today with David Attenborough speaking. It's incredible that there is not even a mention of God, no acknowledgement of God, yet alone praise due his name. Uh, and so Christians have an important uh, job today to proclaim the goodness of God and to proclaim God as creator. So I just try to encourage you uh, with a few pictures and a few facts and figures uh, and comments. The first part will be, uh, presenting the beauty of creation. This is something I've spoken quite a lot about uh, in my books. And the second part of the talk will be talking about God's provision in creation. It's a slightly different kind of creation talk because I'm not going to try and justify every statement. Often I'll just say, God did this for you and me. It's a little bit like that children's song. Everything that you can see, God made for you and for me. And we don't always have to uh, justify every detail of what we're saying, especially on a Sunday. So uh, I hope this is um, encouraging. In Ecclesiastes, we read that uh, God has made everything beautiful in its time. In the Garden of Eden, everything would have been stunningly beautiful. Perhaps every creature would have been bright, like a bird of paradise. Maybe every creature even sang. But even though we live in a fallen world subject to the curse, we still see remnants of beauty around us, especially in a place uh, like Brisbane. One of the things I teach my, my students when I'm teaching aesthetics and motor cars is if they want to know what a good colour scheme is, study the natural world. Because God has this amazing colour scheme with a blue sky, the green land or the yellow land as a, a contrast. Uh, if you stand on the moon in direct sunlight, you look at the sky and it's pitch black. There's no atmosphere. But on the earth, God has designed the atmosphere, not just uh, for, to be good for life, but he's even coloured the sky blue with the scattering of light with the air molecules. And it gives this lovely blue colour. Blue is a calming colour. 
red raises the blood pressure. And so God has put a calming color in the sky, blue, and a calming color in the land, green or yellow. And God has designed it so it's not the same color. Because if the sky was the same color as the land, that would be confusing. But God has designed it so it's not that way. And it so happens that the best background color for flowers, bright flowers, is green. So God has given us that color in the chlorophyll uh, for the green grass and, and the green meadows. And even you can go into more details. The most unusual uh, color for a wild flower is blue. In Holland, they have an expression, rare as a blue tulip. And that makes sense because if blue is the dominating color in the sky, you'd want that to be an unusual color on the earth. That's why blue eyes are a bit uh, special. Um, so we see this perfect uh, color scheme. I've heard atheists say this is, you know, it was lucky that life, you know, that it, this color scheme came about. But if you're an evolutionist, you can't make that, you can't say that too many times. How can so many things be lucky? Because you can't say life could only evolve if we had a beautiful blue sky. That doesn't make any sense at all. And I've heard evolutionists say that beauty is the biggest um, challenge to the theory of evolution. In Genesis, the Bible speaks of beauty. Genesis 2, verse 9, God has made trees not only pleasant, uh, well, not only good for food, but also pleasant to the sight. God deliberately made trees to be beautiful. Beauty is important uh, to God. Jesus referred to, to beauty in Matthew chapter 6. When Jesus said, consider the flowers of the field, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these flowers. And Solomon was a, was a very great king, no doubt dressed in gloriously bright robes. But notice how Jesus said, God so clothed the grass of the field. What that is saying is that God deliberately made flowers to be beautiful. And one of the reasons he made them to be beautiful, not just for our enjoyment, his enjoyment, but to remind us that if he puts such care into creation, then he also puts care into every detail of your life, every worry you have, every illness you have, every detail God knows and he demonstrates that through his care in creation. Flowers are greatly valued uh, by people. A few years ago in the Chelsea Flower Show in England, uh, they produced a very beautiful, someone produced a very beautiful flower called the Juliet Rose. I wouldn't recommend that you give it uh, to your spouse on, on, on the anniversary because this rose, one of them, costs three million dollars. But that shows you the value that people put on flowers. Flowers are very beautiful, but they're beautiful because God designed them to be beautiful. God has made many things uh, beautiful in creation. Uh, at, at home, I have a small butterfly collection. I love beautiful uh, butterflies. Butterflies and flowers do not need to be so beautiful. It's what I call added beauty in my books. It's a type of purposeful over-design. doesn't need to be that beautiful. Atheism cannot explain this kind of amazing beauty, but it's exactly what you'd expect if God had created such creatures. And the colouring you can see on the screen, it's almost entirely optical colouring, precision 
optics. Uh, and that takes design, often irreducibly complex design. It cannot come about by chance. And even if it could come about by chance, there's no logical reason for such beauty. One of the things uh, I write about quite a lot in one of my books, All Marks of Design, is birdsong. Uh, it's a fascinating um, area and it's a wonderful evidence of design. The top line shows music by J.S. Bach uh, and it has a, a lot of musical structure. It has a key signature, the key of C. Many of the notes come from the arpeggio C, uh, E, G and C again. It starts on the keynote. The top note is a keynote. There are two phrases that are complementary. They are linked by uh, anticipation, a note of one. It finishes with a major third, that's called finality. Only, ki only certain kind of intervals can finish a piece. So if you have a degree in music, you could appreciate the features of J.S. Bach, not just the individual features, but how they're joined. But every single one of those features I just mentioned is also in the song of the blackbird, which is behind me at the bottom. And the blackbird does not have a degree in music. So how can a blackbird sing in a key signature and with a time signature and, and the piece starts on a keynote and it finishes with an inverted major third and there are two phrases and they're linked in the right way. Scientists and musicologists have been stunned with the musicality of birdsong. There are even some birds that can transpose from a major key to a minor key back to a major key some birds, like the nightingale, have up to 300 separate songs in their repertoire. And when they uh, come back to a previous song, they sing it exactly as they sang it before, often even in the same key. Often they have perfect pitch and they don't have the advantage of pressing a note on the piano. They just sing it with the same key. It's an incredible evidence for creation. God loves beauty. In the book of Job, uh, it says, have you entered the treasury of snow? It's a little bit like saying, have you studied the beauty uh, of snow? Perhaps you don't study snow very much here, but uh, if, if you come to Europe, you can see a lot of the stuff. And if you look under a microscope, you see those beautiful hexagonal structures because of the way water is wonderfully designed. Now, thousands of years ago, uh, at the time of Job, people didn't have microscopes but in the book of Job you, you read many statements that have been proven to be true. In the book of Job it says God has done wonders without number with reference to the stars. That has been proven to be correct. This verse about the treasury of snow has been proven to be correct. One of my favorite verses in the book of Job is from chapter 37. God does things we cannot comprehend. At the time, people might have said, you know, why are you saying that? But now with the, uh, the current uh, understanding of molecular biology, those amazing molecular machines, surely we all have to say God does things we cannot comprehend. Another great verse in the book of Job from chapter 26, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens. In some versions, it says, by his spirit, he beautified the heavens. Again, it's God deliberately putting beauty into the stars. 
there was a funny story uh, in the middle of the last century. Some astronomers were saying that, that we will never see the color green in the stars because when a, uh, a star goes through different temperatures, it can start off red and go yellow. When it gets really hot, it can go blue, but it doesn't go green. But I'm sure there were Christians saying, of course you're going to see green. God is an artist. He uses every color. You're bound to see green. And later in the last century, they did see the color green, a lot of it, because when certain gases like oxygen are heated up, you get these lovely shades of green. God uses every color, every pattern, every size, every texture. And uh, if you read um, astronomy books, they talk of the majesty and beauty of the universe. Uh, God loves beauty. So in part two, uh, we're going to consider God's provision for man. And this is where we see God's uh, amazing care and attention in creation. Uh, air is something we just take for granted. Uh, it's something that engineers study a lot. In the first year of a mechanical engineering degree, you spend many hours learning about the properties of air. Air is used in combustion, it's used in air conditioning systems, it's used in a, a, a lot of other systems. And engineers learn that air is very sophisticated. Uh, it does so many things and God is a genius the way he can make air do so many things. God even thought of that time. You would put your washing out in the garden on the washing line and you would want that warm breeze to cool and to dry your, your washing. Um, the air transmits sound in a wonderful way. It only takes a tiny change in air pressure to create sound waves. Uh, air is very good at transmitting smells. And as I've said, is, uh, apart from being, as well as being transparent to look through, God can also colour air, not just a blue sky, but a red sunset. It's a very clever thing that God has done to be able to do those things with air. But air is also finely tuned for life. It has just the right amount of oxygen so that we can breathe, but not so much that you get uh, too many wildfires. It has just the right amount of carbon dioxide. It has just the right amount of density so birds and aeroplanes can fly, but not so much that we can't run through the air. And air also absorbs water. Uh, so we have water vapour in this room and you can have clouds in the sky. Air is a wonderful substance, so easy to take for granted. A similar thing we can say about water. Uh, water is so simple, hydrogen, oxygen, uh, yet it is amazingly well designed. Um, have you ever stopped to think that water is tasteless, odourless, uh, transparent? That means it's refreshing to drink, refreshing to have that shower or bath in the morning. And it's ideal for cooking. Many uh, substances dissolve in water. Uh, it boils at a convenient temperature, freezes at a convenient uh, temperature. And for cooking and many other uses, it's very useful for man. The atheist struggles to have an explanation as to where water came from. Uh, but on earth, we have this great abundance of water, a great gift from God. And as well as oxygen being in water to allow the creatures to breathe, water also freezes from the top down 
even that little detail is important for life so that creatures can live in those very cold climates. But then we can think of other uh, provisions for man. Metals are very important, uh, those strong, tough, uh, hard materials. And what is remarkable is that God has given us a great range of metals. If you speak to any experienced engineer, they will tell you we have just the, just the right variety and range of metals to do all the things that we need to do on the earth. Uh, if you need a soft metal for guttering, God has given us lead. Uh, if you need a very hard metal, God has given us nickel. If you need a, a metal that can conduct electricity um, or heat in a very efficient way, God has given us copper. If you need a magnet, God has given us iron. If you want something not to rust, God has given us chromium. If you need a battery, we have lithium. And so the list goes on. And God has even given those metals in the right quantities. Um, I, I've met engineers saying it's remarkable how aluminium is, is an incredibly useful metal and it appears in a vast quantity uh, as well. And here we see God's goodness in providing the things uh, that we need. And God has particularly blessed uh, Australia with a great abundance of these uh, materials. He obviously loves uh, Australia. <laughs> we could say a similar thing um, about uh, woods. Trees are wonderful, aren't they? I'm really enjoying the different trees uh, that you have in Australia. The, the Jarrah tree, the, lots of the eucalyptus trees and other beautiful trees that you have here. And of course, trees are so important for fruit, for ecosystems, for the oxygen, for the birds and other creatures. But when an engineer looks at trees, they often focus on the materials and the material property. And so do carpenters, uh, because uh, different trees, different woods have a great variety of different properties. You have very soft woods, very hard woods, very flexible, stiff woods, not so such stiff woods, very heavy woods, very light woods. And that's so important and useful uh, for engineers to enable them to choose just the right uh, wood for their application. I'm very jealous of Noah because he didn't have to do uh, what I have to do, which is material selection. God told him what uh, wood to use on the ark. Uh, if you want a really hard wood for your furniture, uh, mahogany is a great choice. Um, if you're a builder, you want fast-growing structural wood. Pine is very good for that. If you want a really strong wood, uh, you can use oak. A really strong wood, you use English oak. Uh, if you want a very tough wood, you use willow. No doubt, God thought of those hammers and mallets where you need a really, really tough wood that's not going to fatigue. And woods like willow are so tough. Uh, not, not just good for tooling, but good for baseball bats and cricket bats. Uh, I don't know if you knew, but the Australian cricket team use English willow for their cricket bats. <laughs> and we'll have to put a stop to that, uh, I think. You can even get woods that are sweet smelling, woods that are rot resistant, Every kind of application you can think of, God has given a wood for that. God has even designed just a small number of trees that are really purpose-built for musical instruments like cellos, violins. Um, engineers even call these tonal woods or musical woods. They have a very particular stiffness and ring structure. 
that make them really ideal for musical instruments. And I have no doubt that that was in God's mind when he created those trees. And then we come to food. In this case, we can be absolutely certain that uh, food is designed for man because in Genesis, God said, the trees are there to produce fruit for you. The green herb is there to produce food for you. Maybe uh, the fall affected these things and we don't have so much food that Adam has, so many herbs. But in the world, we see, still see an abundance of beautiful, nutritious food, well designed for man. Some of my graduates go to work for food companies. It's, it's a very big industry, lots of money goes into food research. And I visited those companies myself and, and when I've met these food engineers, they tell me that fruit is brilliantly designed and it's, it's often studied by engineers to see if they could produce um, a food like that. Engineers, if they produce a carton of uh, apple juice, on the side is a straw. That's a really complicated thing to put on the side of a carton. God doesn't do that with an apple. An apple is full of juice, but it doesn't come with a straw. It doesn't need to because all the juice are in tiny cells. You take a bite of an apple and only one drop will come out. Engineers would love to do that, but they can't. It's too difficult. And there are many other things engineers would love to do that are too difficult. They would love to make something like a banana, it tells you when it's ripe. Engineers cannot do that. The way food is packaged, it's wonderfully designed. The variety um, of fruits available. Uh, and uh, fruit is another one of these things which has this purposeful over-design. A mango tree, an apple tree, it doesn't need to produce such an abundance of tasty, nutritious fruit. It could have boring fruit, an ordinary fruit, but God has decided to put great beauty, variety and nutrition uh, in, in fruit for the sake of man. And then you can think of special, some special plants, the cocoa tree, what does it produce? It produces chocolate. It doesn't have to produce chocolate. Why should it produce chocolate? Well, it produces it for you and for me. A similar thing you can say about coffee beans and, and tea leaves, tea plants, uh, there are thousands of types of herbs that, are very, that have very sophisticated tastes. Uh, some even have medicinal properties. Uh, and God has given us goats and cows for milk. Probably my favourite food would be honey. Uh, God knew that from day one we wouldn't have confectionery shops, but we, we couldn't buy uh, uh, sweets and things, but God gave us a, the best ready-made sweet you could have. God gave us honey right from day one. It's a remarkable food. There's a jar of honey uh, on the screen. English honey is, 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 is very good honey. Um, do you know how many bees it takes to make one jar of, of, of honey? And how many flower visits uh, it takes to make one jar of honey? Well, the nut, well it, I mean, it, it can vary how many bees make it. It, it would often be 20,000 bees to make one jar of honey. But those bees have to make two million flower visits to make one jar of honey. It's a very, very complicated process. 
And bees don't need to have honey. They don't need such an abundance of honey, but it pleased God to make the bees, to make that honey for you and for me. The next time you have a teaspoon of honey uh, or toast with honey on, that quantity of honey is the lifetime work of 14 bees. So just remember that the next time you have that quantity of honey. And they did a lot of work to get that honey on your toast or your teaspoon. And God did a lot of planning to make the bee do the work to get that honey on your teaspoon. But it's not just uh, food. God has given us clothing materials. Um, engineers have studied wool in detail and engineers have been amazed at the insulation properties of, of wool. It's very light, but it has amazing insulation properties. Wool and cotton are also very good at, at absorbing moisture. Man-made materials like polyester are not so good at absorbing uh, sweat. So if you wear a shirt with polyester, you will feel sweat and water faster than if you're wearing a cotton or wool shirt. And a polyester shirt will smell more as well uh, because of the structure of the man-made fibre. God has even given us uh, little insects that will make materials like silk, a wonderfully smooth and beautiful material. God was mindful of the needs of man. God has also given us many creatures uh, and animals that are very useful to us, animals and birds. Uh, I would say uh, one of the most important animals God has given us must be the horse. Uh, the horse is a remarkable creature. Uh, creature the back of a horse uh, is perfectly shaped for a human to sit on a man a woman a child it's just the right size to give transportation either individual or, or a carriage God knew that we would need the horse today we take this for granted because we have our cars we have diggers but years ago people were so grateful for the horse farmers were so grateful for the horse to do the plowing um, in Military situations, in warfare, horses played a major role. Uh, the whole of history would be different if we didn't have the horse. But God knew we would need the horse. One interesting uh, thing about uh, horses, humans, humans can work and play hard uh, because, uh, because we're naked, we're not covered in fur. We can adjust our clothing so we can work hard, there's no excuse not to work hard, and we can play hard, but most animals cannot work that hard. Even a polar bear, if it chases a seal, uh, it has to cool down afterwards and it can't take its fur off, uh, so it can get very hot. Uh, so humans are unique in being able to adjust their clothing and to keep relatively cool to work hard. But of all the creatures in the world, there are two that do actually sweat uh, quite a lot and two of the creatures that can sweat a little bit are horses and dogs so of all the creatures horses and dogs can actually work fairly hard and I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if one of those reasons is God wanted those creatures to work for man um, an average horse uh, has a power output of one horsepower engineers actually name the horsepower after the horse in admiration uh, for, for, the, for the power output of the horse. An average man is about 75 watts. Well, it was a few years ago when the study was done. It seems to be coming down in modern times. Uh, so a horse can do the work of at least 10 men. Uh, so a horse is so useful. 
and useful for so many things, as I said, for transportation, uh, for military, security, but also for pleasure as well. The horse is a wonderful gift to mankind and probably only one creature more important than the horse, and that must be uh, the dog. Um, I think in, at the beginning of creation, God probably created one dog kind, something along the lines of a wolf. But God put tremendous genetic potential into that first dog kind. And God did that deliberately, knowing that mankind would breed different dogs. God probably enjoyed uh, humans breeding dogs, the very tiny dogs, the huge dogs, the powerful dogs, the herding dogs. And dogs have been so useful uh, to man in so many different ways, in cold countries, hot countries, farming countries. Uh, dogs love obeying commands. They love working uh, for humans. And there are even medical uh, dogs. One of my daughters is not very well, and she has a medical dog that lives, that lives with her and gives her comfort. One of the uh, uh, characteristics of the modern worldview is that it's not very good at making predictions, that the theory of evolution is, is not good at all at making predictions. Just a few years ago, uh, engineers were clever enough to design submarines that could go miles deep in the sea. It's one of the last places that man has explored. And before the submarines went down, David Attenborough, another scientist, predicted that uh, there would be very little life in the deep seas. It's very dark, it's very barren, there's not a lot of food. Well, they thought there's not a lot of food there. They thought the deep sea would be barren. When the submarines went down, scientists were absolutely astonished to find what they thought is more life in the deep seas than anywhere else on Earth, just packed with life. This is what David Attenborough said on uh, television recently, Blue Planet 2. We might have expected the deep sea to be truly barren, but there is unimaginable abundance. Astonishingly, there is more life in the deep sea than anywhere else on Earth. Their prediction was catastrophically wrong, as it is often wrong. But had David Attenborough had read the book of Genesis, if he'd only got to the 20th verse of the Bible, this is what he would have read. Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. If he had read that, he would not have been astonished. Uh, and elsewhere, God said, let the seas be filled. And when God says filled, he means filled. So the Bible, again, as with many other occasions, has been proven to be true. God creates in abundance. People have said to me, why are there so many stars in the universe? That's exactly what I would expect from God, to create two trillion galaxies, each one with billions of stars. That is God's characteristic, to create in abundance. And you need that many stars to do justice to God's glory, because the heavens declare the glory of God. Wherever you look in creation, God has created in abundance. And God has not only given us richly all things to enjoy, he has designed us richly to enjoy all things. He's even given you a part of your brain that is dedicated to appreciating beauty, visual beauty, 
musical beauty. He's given you 10,000 taste buds so you can enjoy the taste of food. He's given you eyes. If you have healthy eyes, you can see up to 10 million different colors. God has designed us to enjoy life. Sometimes people get the wrong idea about Christians, that they're not allowed to enjoy things. Jesus came that we might have life more abundantly. One of the reasons it's important to believe in biblical creation, Genesis is history. If you do that, you will appreciate creation more than you did before. And you will be able to have pleasure in creation more than you have done before. One of the papers I've written in the CMI Journal of Creation is to do with overdesign in the human being. I, I did one paper where I focused on facial expressions. Uh, according to evolution, we should be able to make up to about 10 facial expressions, a couple of smiles, a couple of frowns. Do you know how many we can make? We can make up to 10,000 facial expressions and recognize 10,000 facial expressions. Again, this is God's abundant, abundant provision. Uh, so it's not just creation where we see God's goodness. We see God's goodness in the design of man. We are purposefully over-designed. We are not designed for survival. We are designed to do great things and to enjoy uh, things. I've also written a couple of books uh, on that subject as well, Design of Man. If you read a book on evolution and, and look at that book and say, why does my hand look the way it does? It will say your hand is designed to form a fist and to punch someone in the face. That is not a good thing to teach children as they go out to play in school. And that, you know, it's a terrible thing. Uh, and to say that the, the hand is there to hold a club, to club someone or to hold down a woman, to rape her. The biblical worldview is that our hands are designed for skillful things, to play the piano, to do artistic task, to hold a pen. Uh, you see the, the importance of having a biblical worldview. It has a huge impact on how you see life and on how you will educate uh, children. So to make some conclusions, God clearly cares for man. God is not a distant God. Uh, that's what the modern world tries to teach. It's a lie of the devil that God is distant. God is not distant. God cares for man. And when you appreciate the detail of God's care for man, then you can appreciate the fact that, of course, that's why God so loved the world. He loves this world and he loves us. That's why he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to die on the cross, uh, that if we have faith in him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. No wonder God sent his son. He does love this world and he loves the people of this world. And if you're not a Christian, God would love you to come to him, to repent of your sin and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do that, uh, you will have a greater appreciation of, of, the, of, of this world and God's goodness in this world. It's amazing that in the Bible we, we read Jesus saying, I go to prepare a place for you. Many things in this world, like the stars, were spoken into existence, but Jesus is preparing 
a place for us. It must be a very special place. And it is a special place because the Psalms tell us that heaven is the very perfection of beauty. There will be pleasures forevermore. And if this world has such goodness, we can be so confident that heaven will have amazing goodness and beauty. And you can be very confident uh, in your faith. That's one of the reasons I give these talks to, to tell Christians. They can be confident in the Bible, confident in the book of Genesis, confident in the reality of Adam and the reality of the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, and confident in their hope of heaven. Please do pray for the work of CMI. Please support it. Look at the website, creation.com. If you don't get the magazine, do get it. Get it for your relatives. Use it in evangelism uh, because it's having a great impact on this world. But I hope you're encouraged by those things. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Stuart. That was just fantastic. Really well worth listening to. We appreciate your time and sharing with us. Thank you. Let's